Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. is a symbol of what Jesus did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Being lowered in the water represents our old life dying. Life dying. Just as Jesus was dead and buried, our past and future sins are gone forever. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. When we are raised out of the water, it represents our new life in Christ. Just as Jesus was resurrected, we are a new, we are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. has come. Today, today we celebrate as people, people take, take their, their next step and tell the world that Jesus has brought them from death to life. To life. To life. Today we celebrate the miracle of a changed life based upon their profession in Jesus Christ. In the name, in the name of, the Father, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are buried with Christ and raised to, and walk. Raised to walk in newness of life. Newness of life.
Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night, he is like a tree planted by streams of water. Yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Baptism is a symbol of what Jesus did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Being lowered in the water represents our old life dying. Life dying. Just as Jesus was dead and buried, our past and future sins are gone forever. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. When we are raised out of the water, it represents our new life in Christ. Just as Jesus was resurrected, we are a new creation. The creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Has come. Today. Today we celebrate as people take, take their, their next step. step and tell the world that Jesus has brought them from death to life. To life. To life. Today we celebrate the miracle of a changed life based upon their profession in Jesus Christ. In the name, in the name of, the Father, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are buried with Christ, and raised to and walk, raised to walk in, newness of life. in newness of life.
The psalmist writes, Great is the Lord and most worthy of our praise. His greatness no one can fathom. And that pretty much says it all. Be sure to fill out your connection card this morning and place it in the offering plate when you're leaving. And we are receiving candy. Now we're collecting candy for our Easter egg hunt. So over the next couple Sundays, while you're at the store, uh, over the next couple weeks, please pick up a couple bags of candy and bring them for our Easter egg hunt. I'm thinking, doesn't it need to be smaller pieces of candy? Because we put them in eggs. And so the smaller pieces are better rather than the great big candy bars. They don't fit in there very well. So pick up some candy this week and next week, and so we'll have a plenty for the children in our Easter egg hunt. I'm going to ask Doug to come and open us up in a word of prayer. Good morning, everyone. Uh, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are in awe of your magnificent power displayed through the entire universe, for through all things were made, and all things have their being. We come before you with grateful thanks and with hearts that long to adore you and worship only you. Lord, may we know the presence of the Holy Spirit here with us today. May we be open to your leading, sensitive to your speaking, and alert to your calling. Father, we invite the same power that was at work when Jesus was raised from the grave to be present with us here now, Lord. And Father, you are merciful, loving, and just, and we ask for your blessing and presence here amongst us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. It's great to be together this morning. Would you stand with us and sing How Great Is Our God? Oh, and three in one. 
Would you read with me from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1, 2, and 17. Let's read together. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who received the promise was about to sacrifice the one and only Son, the Word of God. family in our prayers. Uh, Gail passed away this week and the funeral was Friday. So continue to pray for the Warschlager family. We want to pray for those who are living in our senior living facilities. Flo Smith, Winona Anderson, Lorraine Bellringer, and Tony Myrick. We also want to be in prayer for uh, Joan Williams' husband Richard. He's on hospice. He is home. Edith Smith and uh, Rudy Martinez are still in rehab and uh, continue to pray for their recovery. And then Jane Geisler was in the hospital this week and scheduled to come home today. And uh, let's keep them in our prayers. And then also our homebound members are Dudley Perry, Cindy Bellmeyer, and Bill Guzzi. Let's pray. Father, we're blessed because we are your people. We're blessed because we're forgiven and we're loved by you. May we always be mindful of the blessings that we have from you. And Father, today we lift our voice in praise. Because at just the right time, when we were still sinners and powerless to save ourselves, Christ came and died and did all the work necessary to save us. Rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might dare to die. But you demonstrated your love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Father, make us aware that as we meet here together, we're not simply meeting with one another, we're meeting with you. Today, Father, we, we want to lift up those who do need your, your healing and powerful touch. You know their names, you know their need. And Father, we lift them up to you today. We pray for the men and women who serve in our military. We're thank you, thankful for their service and their commitment to our country. And in these difficult times, we pray for their safety. We pray for Omar Silva, Sean Carnes, Colin Graves, Abner Mauricio, Tyler McCarty Cogis, Joshua Davis, Nathan Hayes, Colby Hayes, Devin Guzman, Matilda Pritchett, and Jason Maxey. And Father, we pray for our firefighters, our police officers, and others who risk their lives every day to keep our communities a safe place. Father, we pray today for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. We pray for their safety. We pray for their needs. And Father, we pray that you'll bring an end to this terrible war. Father, we pray that you'll help us to be mindful that uh, we are living in the last days, that Christ's return is imminent and soon. 
And Father, may we always be found faithful when he comes. Father, we pray for our students as they'll be back to school this week. We pray that uh, you'll keep them safe and bless them. Bless our teachers and administrators too. And Father, we pray that you'll bring an end to this pandemic and healing to those who are suffering from it. And may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart always be acceptable in your sight. We ask all this in Jesus' name, who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us join together in our hymn of communion. Uh, Praise the one who breaks the, the darkness. salvation. It is he who offered his body to be nailed on the cross, his blood to be poured out for us, and only in his name is there salvation. Our communion scripture is from Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. our heads and pray. Our gracious Father, as we stand before you, we are humbled by your love and mercy. We confess our sins and we ask for your forgiveness. Father, it was through your son's sacrifice that we gained the right to be called your children. 
and now we can partake of the cup and the bread. Lord, we ask that you bless this table and all who take part on it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, our God who created the world, our God who came as a man to die for our sins, our God who is here in spirit in our hearts to comfort us in times of sorrow, he is the only one powerful enough to conquer death and bring us eternal victory. Will you guys sing with us, our God?
Psalms chapter 46 and verse number 1, and it reads, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Let us pray. Our Lord, we come before you to say thank you for the many blessings that you poured onto us. Thank you for providing all of our needs and giving us even more than what we need. Father, out of the many blessings that we receive, we want to honor you with our tithes and offerings. And it's not just the money that we bring in the envelopes, but it's our trust in you, Lord. It is our way of saying, Lord, I trust that you will take care of me. Thank you for all that you do for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
Preachers ain't perfect. My wife is originally from Georgia, and we were taking a trip out there just a few weeks ago. Go see some friends, some family, go do some other stuff. And we spent the night in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Left the next morning. Plenty of time to get there for the dinner uh, we had planned with some of her old friends. And we took a little bit longer break than we anticipated. Did our recalculation once we were back on the road. And, oh no, we were going to be a half hour late, barring any traffic and and, uh, any traffic things, with about five hours left to go. So Stephanie says, oh no, we're late. And I'm thinking, oh great, we're late. We're going to have to call everybody, tell them to push it back, hope that we can still get there within a half hour, all this kind of stuff. So Stephanie says, go. And I go. And... Stephanie was in the back with the kids, the back of the van with the kids, and I, it's 70 miles an hour, so I'm doing a little over 70, more like 91, <laughs> and all of a sudden, we, uh, this car slows down, and Stephanie says, what, what are we doing? And I'm passing the state trooper, <laughs> and he flips his lights on. And I pull over, he pulls over, he says, I was going 70, you're going 91, I'll be right back. That morning, before we had left, I had mentioned to Stephanie that there was an article that I'd read or something that I read somewhere that says, you should almost pray that something bad goes wrong on a trip like this so you can teach your kids what a good reaction would be, what Christ-like manners are, what it means to be faithful to God in the midst of hard circumstances. Preachers ain't perfect. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about an instance where the disciples failed. And the crowd of people who are supposed to be God's people failed. And Christ comes through. And we're going to talk about a man who had next to no faith and asked Christ for help with that. Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. If you're in your pew Bible, it's page 714. And we're going to take a little movie trip through this. We're going to look at this in four different scenes as Christ goes through. And we're going to fill out the blanks as we go through uh, on the back of your bulletin. We're going to fill out the blanks as we go through each of these scenes. Four scenes, three sets of uh, items on the back of your bulletin. And then one take-home truth at the end. Scene one, we've got some basically hopeless disciples. We're going to talk about now, up to this point, we have had, uh, let's go ahead and go to the next slide. Up to this point, we've had, uh, Peter has stated, you are the Christ. So Peter knows that he is the one sent by God. He is the anointed one. He is the one who's supposed to save Israel, and not just Israel, but the world. And Jesus says to the rest of the disciples, including Peter, you have to take up your cross if you're going to follow me. If you want to really follow me, you're going to have to be prepared to go through suffering. And then last week we looked at the Mount of Transfiguration, where Peter, James, and John went up onto the mountain with Jesus and were able to see him in all of his glory. A snapshot, a preview of what's to come, so that when that suffering comes... They've still got sight of the goal line. They've still got sight of what's going to happen. What God is going to do. How God is going to win and what that looks like. 
And so now they come down off the mountain. Start in verse 14 with me from chapter 9. When they, that's Peter, James, John, and Jesus, when they came to the other disciples, the ones who hadn't gone up on the mountain, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Let's uh, go ahead and go to um, that slide there. Where we go? And they said, uh, and uh, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? He asked. You've got the rest of the disciples arguing with the scribes, the teachers of the law, the ones who knew the law. And we're going to figure out what they're arguing about because Jesus asks them. But there's a whole crowd of people and his disciples are right in the middle of something going on. Let's go to the next slide. So a man in the crowd answers, Teacher, I brought you, I didn't bring them, I didn't bring anybody here, but I brought you, my son, who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, it foams at the, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Now, every word in Greek doesn't translate nicely all the time to every word in English. And we do this with our own language. If I was to say, I got in the car this morning and my car didn't start. We're showing the contrast here. And the word there in the Greek, let's go back one slide. The word there in the Greek is not, uh, I asked your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they could not. Most translations translate it, but, which is fine because it's showing the contrast. I actually like the translation and, which is what the original word is, a little bit more. Because he comes and he's like, I asked your disciples to drive it out and they couldn't. I asked them to do it and they weren't able to. More literally, I spoke with your disciples about driving out the Spirit and they weren't strong enough. And your disciples reflect you. And if your disciples can't do it, the ones that you're training up, the ones that have already gone out and tossed demons out before because Jesus gave them the authority to do it, now they are not able to. I don't think anything's going to happen differently if you do it. If the guys you're training can't do it, what's to say you can? You gave them power before and they did it. They can't deal with this one. Maybe this one's too strong. And Jesus says, oh, let's go ahead and uh, pause there for a second. So we've got our first point there. Uh, Let's go to the next slide. A lack of faith in God limits God's work. And I mulled over this a long time because I didn't want to say a lack of faith in God limits God's power because it doesn't limit his power. And it doesn't limit what he can do. It doesn't limit God. But God will choose to say, if you don't believe, you're not going to walk through the door. Israelites, you don't believe you can go in and take the land. You don't get to go in. You're going to walk around in the wilderness for 40 years and your kids will go in. Now, if they had rejected as well, I think they would have walked around for another 40 years, and then another 40 years, until they went in and decided they would, could trust that the God who had brought them out of Egypt could take them into the land of Canaan. But there are times where God says, 
It's not going to happen because there's no faith. It's not that our faith produces something, but the lack of faith is limiting it. A lack of faith in God limits God's work. Now, there's one other caveat to this. It's a lack of faith in God. Because we can have faith in anything we want. I can have faith in my own abilities. I can have faith in my community to, to rally around me in the, in the midst of trouble. I can have faith that my kids will come through. I can have faith that my brother will come through. I can have faith that the government will come. Well, maybe, you know, just kidding. I can have faith in a whole lot of different stuff. But it's not a lack of faith in general. Faith in general doesn't do anything because the power is where you're placing that faith. And a lack of faith in God can limit God's word work. Not because he is limited, but because he is choosing to allow us to limit what is happening. Let's go to that next slide. Scene two. And now we see a father who is unable to believe. And one, one uh, verse that we missed just a second ago is um, Jesus says, you unbelieving generation, how long am I going to be with you? Because he's linking this generation back to that same generation that would not go into the land in Exodus. They wouldn't go in, and so God said, go around for another 40 years. This is the same phrasing that Jesus used in the end of Mark 8 when he says, you adulterous generation. You generation that's going to believe something else besides me. How long are you going to be like this? How long are you going to, am I going to have to put up with you? Not that I'm wanting to leave you, but when are things going to change in your heart to believe me? So now we've got scene two, and we've got this unbelieving father. And so they brought him, verse 20. They brought, uh, they brought, so when they brought him, excuse me, so when they brought him, uh, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foamed at the mouth, just like dad said. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, answered the father. And it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, Take pity on us and help us. Now remember, he's already said, I brought him to you and your disciples couldn't do anything. If you can, if you are able, take pity on us. Please help. And I love Jesus' response here. Go ahead and go to the next slide. If you can, says Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Now this verse can lead us down a huge wrong path. But it can also lead us down a very correct path. Because if we take one verse and pull it out of the Bible and put it on a bumper sticker, it's called bumper sticker theology, we can start thinking a little bit off kilter of what God has for us. Let's go back one slide and stay on that slide. If you can, says Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Now, the statement, if you can, actually has the word the in front of it. So it's literally the if you can, more like you're going to use the if you can logic. You're going to use the if you can statement, really? Everything is possible for him 
who believes. And if we go back to Psalm 37.4, we go to Philippians 4.13, all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me, back in Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. There are things that God, God, God is not limited here, but again, this is not about us, but it's about him. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Now, belief and faith and trust, it's all the same word. When they had the Greek, they translated it into English, and you pick the word that, that best flows with the structure of the sentence. Everything is possible for the one who trusts. Everything is possible for the one who has faith. Everything is possible for the one who, who believes. And if you believe in God, you're not just believing that there is a God. You're not just believing all the facts and all the details. But you're entering into relationship with him. I believe in God because he is God. Because he is king. And I am going to follow him. And I'm going to mess up, but I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to admit that he is the one who's in charge. He's the one who's in control. I believe in him, which means I am under his umbrella of what he is trying to do. And I'm going to do what I see God telling me to do. And so everything is possible for the one who is doing God's will. And so when Peter says to the disciples at another point, If you had just a little bit of faith, you could say to the mountain, go toss yourself into the sea. At one point, my son Corbin was sitting on a dock and said, well, Jesus walked on the water. I believe in Jesus. Stephanie says, let's not try that. It's not that we can do anything that we want to. It's not that everything that I want to is possible. It's not uh, all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me, which means it's possible for me to go rob that bank in Christ's name. It's possible for me to go cheat on my spouse in Christ's name. It's possible for me to do, pick whatever you want. Because at heart, a lot of our motivations, even if the things seem good, can come down to a selfish motivation. And so we want to make sure that if we're going to say everything is possible to him who believes, the one who believes, we want to make sure that we are in line with what God wants and not our own stuff. All right, let's go to the next point. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, yeah, I I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And here what we see is a man with nearly no faith. We see a man who is so distraught. He's seen the disciples try to do it. He's probably taken him around to the doctors and to the, the religious leaders and said, hey, can you do something about this? Can you do something about this? He's at his wit's end and he's taken him to the Jesus and the disciples and the disciples aren't able to do anything. Jesus says, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And we all go through points like this at some point in our life. 
D.L. Moody had a, a phrase, and this is out of um, one of the, the commentaries I read by, uh, by uh, John Garland. And he said, D.L. Moody said, there's, there's kind of three types of faith for these situations. You have your, your, uh, your struggling faith, where you have a man who's in the water, drowning, and he's reaching out for any straw he can. And then you have the man who's clinging to the side of the boat, and he's found something to hold on to, and he's desperately holding on, because if he lets go, he knows he's gone. And you have the man who's finally in the boat, and his faith is in the boat, and he's resting And he's finally able to look around at everything else around him. And this guy is struggling in the water. He's sitting there saying, I've got nothing. But when you're struggling in the water, when you are sinking, you will grab on to anything you can that could save you. If you told me I could have a million dollars if I threw a ball from here to Chick-fil-A, I'm not going to try it. There's no point. I have zero faith. This man has come to Jesus. He's got some faith. He says, help my unbelief. Help my lack of faith. I don't think it's possible, but Jesus, please go for it. Because if anyone can, you can. And so what we see then for our next point here is a step of faith towards God enters God's plan. And it's a great thing that God doesn't require absolute faith out of us before we enter his kingdom. Because then none of us would get in. There's always a doubt somewhere. And it's always a progression from I think I believe to I believe to definitive let's go with this. God took Abraham out of his place, brought him to another country. A whole lot of stuff happened with Abraham and Abraham continually saw God's faithfulness until like we read earlier, Abraham had so much faith in God that he was able to offer up his son, Isaac, as a sacrifice. And as Hebrews tells us, it's because Abraham believed God's promises that Isaac was the one and Abraham knew God could raise Isaac from the dead So he had enough trust and enough belief and enough faith in God to say, okay. I've said this before. I don't know if I can do that with one of my kids. I mean, it has to be very, very clear from God. And it was with Abraham. But that is faith. And that is the progression from, all right, I think we can go with this. I trust you, God. I'm going to take a step. And now you've entered into God's plan. So then we come to scene three. And scene three is a little bit of a, we have a real quick snapshot of, the, of the, the healing. And then we go into the disciples' questions. And I love the disciples' questions always because they reveal the heart. And they reveal what Jesus is actually trying to get at. So let's go to scene three and verse 25. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene... He rebuked the impure spirit, you deaf and mute spirit. He said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. This is one of Jesus' many miracles. And 
almost one of the uh, the most uh, there's there's very little that Jesus does. He commands the spirit. And it comes out. There's no making paste with, with the spit in the mud to, to put on the eyes. There's no go wash in the pool and then come back. There's, there's no, uh, you know, um, uh, woman, why did you grab my, the, the hem of my garment? There's none, there's none of this stuff. Why'd you, uh, it's just very quick. Do this, do this, and it's done. And he lifted him to his feet and stood up. In verse 28. Now, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. And the heart of the disciples here almost looks like, why weren't we strong enough? Why weren't we able to? And it's not about the disciples. Jesus had given authority. But it wasn't their power. Jesus still had the power. God still has the power. And it almost looks like the disciples were trying to drive out this demon. Maybe they were feeling peer pressured by the crowd. Maybe they were feeling pressured because the scribes, the teachers of the law, were sitting right there saying, all right, let's see what happens. We don't know why the disciples tried to do it. But what Jesus says, this only can come out by prayer, kind of almost makes a jab at the disciples of, did you guys pray? Did you guys talk to God about it? Did you guys, or are you guys just thinking you could do this on your own, apart from God's power? And... Just as a side note, and everybody knows all of side notes, just as a side note, this phrase here, he replied, uh, this kind can only come out by prayer. In a lot, of, uh, a lot of translations, it will say prayer and fasting. And to make a long story short, maybe too late for that, but to make a long story short, there's a whole bunch of manu- ancient manuscripts that have prayer and fasting, And then there's a couple of super good manuscripts that are a little bit older that don't have that in there. And the idea, when they translate it without that, the idea that when they translate it with the fasting in there is, look at all these manuscripts we've got. The idea that they translate it without the fasting is that it makes a lot more sense that... Somebody added on, we need some serious prayer, prayer and fasting, because that is the type of prayer that we want, than it does to say, you know what, we don't really need to fast, let's just take that off. And the older manuscripts are, are a little bit more solid. So, all that to be said is, it's not just quick prayers, like, hey God, can I do this? Can I drive out the steam and thanks? I'm going to go on my way. But it's that intentional prayer. It's that life of prayer. It's that time in prayer where you're meditating before God and you are getting on his page, not trying to bring him to yours. You are getting in line with what he wants, not trying to shift him into your lane. And so our third point here, let's go to the next slide. Uh, Actually, it looks like maybe two more. Why couldn't we drive it out there? Oh, one more back. 
There we go. A life of faith with God is fueled by prayer to God. Because if you want a life of faith, you've got to be connected to the source. Faith, all it is, is a conduit. And if you plug your faith into something that doesn't work, you're going to be severely disappointed. But when you plug your faith into God, that's when you will see his faith pouring in, his, uh, his power pouring in to your life. And again, it's not about by what you want. A life of prayer is not going to fuel God to get me a new uh, red Chevy convertible. I don't even know if they make convertibles anymore, but yeah. A life of prayer with God isn't going to upgrade your house. A life of prayer with God is not going to get you an extra bonus paycheck at the end of the year. Now, can that happen? Absolutely. But it's not about you getting what you want, but it's about you getting what God wants for you so you can do stuff for him. And so it might be about getting that job because you're going to be able to uh, better serve your community and better serve your church uh, home and better serve your family. It might be about getting a second vehicle so that one spouse can be going to work and the other spouse can be going to serve. It might be about financial security. It might be about pick what you want. But what it comes down to is, is this in line with God's plan or not? And so a lack of faith in prayer, or excuse me, a, lack of, uh, a life of faith with God is fueled by prayer to God. And now we come to our last scene. And this is a transition into what's coming up next week. And in this scene, we've got confused disciples again. Because that's kind of a theme throughout Mark. They left that place, verse 30, and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were. Why? Because he was teaching his disciples. He's trying to get away from the crowd because he's trying to instruct his disciples. And And this is what he's trying to instruct them in. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and three days, after three days, he will rise. But they, the disciples, did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Jesus, again, there's a bunch of, there's there's, uh, some passion predictions throughout Mark. And we had one uh, a couple weeks ago, and we've got another one now. And the disciples are afraid to ask, what do you mean You, the Messiah, the Son of Man, these terms are all together. You've got to go die. This doesn't make any sense because what the disciples are thinking is the Messiah, the Son of Man, comes in, wipes out the the kingdoms of the nations of the world so that God's kingdom can rule. So that God will be king over the earth and everyone will follow him. This is a good thing, but they're not listening to Jesus because Jesus says first I'm going to die and it's not really getting to them 
And so they're afraid to ask him about it. They're not afraid of him. They're afraid of the question. They don't want to dive into this. They're postponing it. They're pushing off the question for another day. But the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. And so now the disciples are left with this, what's going to happen? And the question pops up, are the disciples going to have faith? Are they going to take a step of faith with Jesus and see what Jesus is going to do? Or in a couple of weeks, when we have Easter, we're going to remember they all abandoned him at the cross. And so, a couple of things about this whole story is that the disciples are failures. And they fail over and over again, and Jesus keeps on bringing them back. And Jesus keeps on bringing them back again. And Jesus keeps on bringing them back again. And as long as we can say, Lord, I goofed. I messed up. I wanted what I wanted. Help my unbelief. Help my lack of faith. Help me to trust and follow you. Jesus is continually bringing us back in. And so let's go to our take-home truth now. Our take-home truth is this. Watch God work by taking a step of faith amidst a life of prayer. See, if we're involved in a life of prayer, then we are in line with what God wants. We're getting into his lane. We are going his speed. We're doing things his way. And he is going to start changing our hearts, changing our thoughts, and changing our actions to be in line with him. And we take one little step of faith at a time and we see God work. And we take another step and we see him work. We see him change your heart. We see him change what we're doing, our actions. We see him change everything about us one little bit at a time. And we take another step of faith and another step of faith. We watch God work by taking a step of faith amidst a life of prayer. And I love, I, I copy Scott's take-home truth uh, phrase, um, and I love it. And it, it's, it's a part life application, but it's also part, this week I need help. And it's about, take a step of faith this week to trust God with what you need. And we don't just sit there and say, okay God, I trust you. I need a job, and I trust you that I'm going to get one. I haven't filled out any applications yet, but I trust you I'm going to get a job. And God can bring a job along, but you can also take a step of faith and say, okay, I need to fill out these applications for that job. Okay, I need to have this difficult conversation with my brother. Okay, I need to pay for rent this month. I have no idea how. You talk to your church family, you talk and ask for prayer. And we'll see what God can do. And we've all heard stories about the person who needed $237 to get the lights flipped back on and somebody had just gotten some tax refund for $238 and they're like, hey, I can help you get your lights turned back on. 
course, you got to do your taxes first, and those are coming up, but, you know, we'll get to tax day another time. Because if we want to see God work, we've got to step into faith with him. And we do that by relying on him. And he uses things in this world. He uses the church family. And he uses each other to take forward his kingdom and help us love one another, love him, and follow him. So if we want to get into his lane, then we need to be following him in faith. Now back to going his speed. I slowed down as soon as that cop was going, I was going by that cop. He pulls me over anyway. And I'm sitting here and I've handed him my license and he has, I've, I've resigned myself to, you know, okay, I'm going to have a ticket. I want to get this over as quick as possible because now I'm adding minutes on to where we're going to be late for dinner. Just go ahead, go. And of course, Corbin, my six-year-old son's in the back. He's like, oh man, cool, a real police officer. <laughs> so my wife Stephanie is like, all right, Corbin, let's pray. And that wasn't for Stephanie's first reaction. She was like, oh no! Stephanie was like, okay, Corbin, let's pray that daddy doesn't get a ticket. And we know he deserves one because of how fast he was going. But let's just pray he's going to not get a ticket. And it doesn't always happen this way. But as soon as they were done praying in the back, the cop runs back up, hands me my license, says, it's your lucky day, rushes back, flips on his lights, and takes off. And I was like, okay, God, I got a message there. I'll pray next time. Again, it doesn't always work that way. But God can do anything he wants to. So let's follow him. Let's pray together. God, we again thank you um, for allowing us to be your children, for allowing us to be faulty children. Uh, we, we, we don't have complete faith. We don't completely trust you. Sometimes we trust ourselves. Sometimes we trust the, the ideas that the world sends into our heads. God, help us to trust you more. Help our unbelief. Help us to live for you one step at a time. Keep us on your path. Keep us in your lane. And it's in the name of our Savior, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead that we pray. Amen. Let us stand and sing two verses of Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet is treasure's door. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee, ever only all for thee.
I'll be up front. The elders are here as well. If you'd like someone to pray with you this morning, we would be glad to do that. Let's have a closing prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful again for your blessings. And what a blessed thing to know that you are a God who cares about our every need. And when we come to you, you hear our prayers. And we are blessed to be your children. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God's people showing by our lives His grace in heart and one in spirit sign up for the race let us show how He has changed us and remade us as His own 